our fourth week of Advent and the fourth week of our sermon series, which we called Unexpected Hope. If you're here in person, you probably got sermon notes on your way in. If you're online, you can pull those down from the resources tab. As we've gone through the sermon series, we've named it Unexpected Hope, and it's hit me, and people have asked me, what's unexpected, right? I mean, Advent is a season of preparation. It's a season where we're preparing to remember Jesus as he came in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, as we're preparing to remember that Jesus is coming again, as Pastor H.K. told us at the beginning of this series, uh, in Final Judgment. And we're preparing ourselves to open ourselves up to what Jesus wants to do in our lives. The world has been preparing for Christmas since the day after Halloween, right? I walked into into Walmart the day after Halloween and was like, whoa, Christmas is here, right? So what... What's unexpected about this? We, we know Jesus came, right? We know Jesus is going to come again. We know Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, is here to fill us now. What's unexpected? But the amazing thing about Advent and the amazing thing about Christmas is that Jesus' coming is not unexpected because we didn't know he was going to come. It's unexpected because of the amazing way that God, Jesus did come and the amazing ways that Jesus still comes. The, the people that he came to in Bethlehem in Israel 2,000 years ago had prophecies for 600 years saying that he was going to come, but his coming was still unexpected. And so it is for many of us. Though, though we know that Jesus was born 2,000 years ago, we know Jesus is coming again, we know the Holy Spirit is here with us. And yet when he enters into our lives, you know what I'm talking about? It's unexpected. It's, it, it's, it, it, it's, it's an encounter that, that we can hardly prepare ourselves for. I got a question for you today, and that question is, have you ever received bad news that turned out to be good news? Oftentimes, we think of surprises as bad. We think, oh, I was expecting this. I was expecting to go on a trip, had my whole vacation planned. I was expecting to ride uh, on, on this plane or this train. I was expecting to get a rental car, but the airline delayed my flight. The rental car wasn't there. My parents weren't there to pick me up at the airport or whatever. And, and it was unexpected. Oftentimes we think of surprises, I do at least, as, as kind of negative. But the interesting surprise in Christmas is that Christmas takes the unexpected bad news of the world and it turns it into God's good news. You ever had bad news that turned out to be good? You ever, you ever hear bad news that turned out to be good? Uh, I'm a Commanders fan, a.k.a. Washington football team fan, a.k.a. Redskin fan. We've had three different names in the past three years, and I get confused myself. So I know that there's still about two or three of us left. How many, how many Commander, a.k.a.? We got a few. Yeah, it's been tough. It's been tough for the past about three decades. And there's the name thing. There's the three decades of disappointment. There's a whole thing with, like, the congressional investigations and the ownership stuff. It's just all, you know... Bad news, you know. But six weeks into this season, we got some particular bad news. Carson Wentz, our starting quarterback, the guy that we went out in the offseason and traded for, we're paying him $28 million this year. Uh, he averages over the next four years $32 million, though I think most of that's not guaranteed, I'm, I'm hoping. Um, not that I have to pay it, but, you know. But anyways, he's the offensive captain. He's our starting quarterback. Six weeks into the season, he got a broken bone in his throwing hand wrist. And he was going to be out for about six weeks. Now, 
if you know anything about the NFL or about the Washington Commanders, you know that's bad news. There's nothing unexpected about it. Uh, this is kind of the way the formerly known Redskins, Washington football team commanders do things. We go out in the offseason and pay some older quarterback $30 million to come in. He gets hurt in the first two months of the season. And then we see what else we got. This is, this is pretty much par for the course if you're a commander's fan. So it's not unexpected, but it definitely is bad news, right? When the most valuable person on your offensive side is hurt for six weeks, that, that can't be good, but it was. That's the amazing thing. Since he went out seven weeks ago, the commanders are 5-1-1. One, one. In seven games, they've only lost one, they tied one, and they've won five games. And now they're like in sixth place in the NFC, and they're in a perfect place to, to get a, a, a wild card uh, a playoff berth. And if they beat the Giants tonight, which again, we're, we're, we're in church, so we might as well pray. <laughs> right. I'm just asking you to agree with me. If you will, I hope we don't have any giant fans in the house. I don't, I don't want to have to have that long of an altar call. <laughs> but it's been good news. Taylor Heineke has come in and we've got this re revived team out of what looked like just another season to pack it in. Have you ever had bad news that turned out to be good news? You know what I'm talking about? You, you, you expected to get that job and you didn't get that job, and, but then God opened up something else here. You were expecting her to say yes, and she said no, but God led you to somebody else. You, you thought your kids were going to go to their dream college, but God closed that door, but it worked out good. And when you look back in your life, you're like, wow, that was, that was really good. Bad news that turned out to be good. The Christmas story is that kind of news. The Christmas story starts out with bad news. Mary's betrothed to Joseph, and he gets word that she's pregnant. He's not the dad. That, that's bad news. We're going to look at that story today. And then a few weeks later, Caesar Augustus, the ruler of the whole known world, decides that everybody in the Roman Empire has to travel to their home community to register for this census. And Joseph and Mary have to travel her pregnant all the way to Bethlehem, 100 miles from Nazareth. That's bad news. When they're there and she gives birth to this baby, they have no room for them. And so she has to give birth in the stable and put him in the manger. That's, that's bad news. And then after he's born, they get word that Herod, the king of Israel, wants to kill their son, and they have to travel as refugees to Egypt. It's just all bad news, right? There's no, there's no good news in that in the world's eyes. As we look at it from a worldly perspective, it's all bad news. And yet we know that God brought his very best good news in the midst of bad news. In that way, Christmas itself is a redemption story. You don't have to wait till Easter to hear the redemption story of Jesus. The redemption story is all the way through this gospel. And it's all the way through scripture that God is taking the bad news of this world, this broken world, this uh, messed up world, this sinful world, this cursed world. And God is infusing it with his new life, with redemption, with salvation, even with his very own presence. That's the incarnation. And so that's what we're looking at today as we look at Matthew 1. 
18 through 25, we're going to look at the story of Joseph and how he handled that bad news and how God communicated that good news in the middle of that and how ultimately God's good news became his good news. In the world's bad news, listen for God's good news. That's kind of the main idea I want you to think about today. Some of you guys are going through some bad news. Some of you guys have heard some bad news. Maybe somebody you love has passed away. Maybe you've gotten message that your child's going through a hard time. Maybe you've been through a divorce in the past year. Maybe you've lost someone you've loved. Maybe you've had a, a bad financial uh, decision in your life. Some, so many of us have gone through bad news. But in the midst of the world's bad news, the message of Christmas, at least that's the point of this text, is look for, listen to, believe in God's good news. So we're going to start on your sermon notes with Roman number one, the bad news, the bad news. This is Matthew 1, 18 through 19. We get to hear the world's, the world's bad news as it is announced to Joseph. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. Well, from Joseph's perspective, and Matthew chapter 1 is written from Joseph's perspective, from Joseph's perspective, this is really bad news. It, yeah, right. If you know much about ancient Jewish uh, marital practices, at this time in, in, in Israel's history, the way that typically people got married, which is different for us, but is that they would become engaged when they were just children. Their parents would arrange a marriage and they would decide that my son would marry your daughter when they come of age. They wouldn't be married, but even when they were three or four years of age, there'd be a decision that these two people are going to get married when they come of age. So they kind of grew up knowing oftentimes, we don't know all the details of Mary and Joseph, but usually they would typically grow up knowing this is going to be my spouse. When they had come of age and it was time for them to prepare to get married, they would go through a legal betrothal. In that legal betrothal, the families would come together and they would sign a binding covenant of marriage, but they wouldn't live together and they wouldn't yet celebrate the, the union. They wouldn't let yet consummate the union. A year would go by in a betrothal period, and that was the time for the man to prepare to be a husband and father. Usually, if they were a farming family, they would take a part of his parents' farm and he would plant a, a crop and he would build a small house that they could live in. It was a year of being ready, of preparation. That's what we're talking about in Advent, of preparing for this day. And then on the marriage day, all the family would come together. There'd be a great celebration. They'd move into the house. They'd consummate the, the marriage. It was during that betrothal period that Joseph got word. His legally betrothed wife, Mary, was pregnant, and he wasn't the dad. Now, that's bad news in any culture, but in first century Israel, that is really bad news. Adultery is a capital offense. There's no way in a small town like Nazareth you can cover this up, you can hide it. Joseph doesn't know what to do. Fortunately, we're told in the Scripture that he's a righteous man. He's a compassionate man. He's a godly man. He's, he wants to do the right thing. Like so often in the world where there's bad news, 
We can't control what happens or what happens to us, but we can control what we do. And Joseph was the type of person who said, I'm going to do what God wants me to do in this situation. I'm going to do the righteous thing. But he didn't know what that was. He's there thinking about, contemplating, figuring out what's the right thing to do in this situation. He wants to somehow, the scripture says, put her away secretly. He's not going to marry her, but maybe if he could put her away secretly. Maybe she could go on to marry whoever the father is. Maybe she could go on with her life. Maybe she wouldn't have to deal with a public shame, or maybe she wouldn't at least have to deal with a capital offense. He's trying to figure out what's the right thing to do in this, with this bad news, his life being shattered. He did not know at this point that this was God's plan. Right, this bad news. It just felt like the run of the mill bad news that we get in life. For many of us, I find this interesting because for many of us, the way that we first hear the good news of the gospel is through bad news. You know what I'm saying? As I think about my own experience with God, as I think about how I experienced Christ in my life for the first time, as I think about the hundreds of testimonies that I've heard people share, on nearly every occurrence, there's always some world's bad news before the good news. I was going through a divorce and I didn't know where to turn and I turned to the church or I turned to a friend or I just turned to God and I prayed and I said, God, I don't know what to do. And I experienced grace. I was, I was looking for hope. I was, I was dealing with this addiction. I was feeling like an outsider. I'd been in this abusive relationship. I'd made these mistakes, and I, I didn't know what to do, and I turned to God, and I experienced his love, his acceptance, that Jesus was there with me, that almost always our stories of experiencing the good news is set up by the world's bad news because Christ is a savior. Christ is a redeemer. Christ comes into our hurt, into our offense, into our uh, uh, judgment, in, in, into our brokenness and offers us salvation and healing and new life. And, and so I find it interesting that Joseph's experience of Jesus and experience of the good news is set up by this announcement of the world's bad news. And it makes this point. In the midst of the world's bad news, we who are seeking faith, seeking Christ, seeking salvation, should look for, should listen to, should avail ourselves for God's good news. I think Joseph was doing that in the sense that he was trying to figure out what the right thing to do in this situation was. He, he wasn't like, I'm going to get her. He wasn't like, forget the whole thing. I don't need anybody. He was, he was figuring out what, God, what do you want me to do in this situation? And that's the context through which he began to hear God's good news. This is Roman numeral two in your sermon notes. In the midst of the world's bad news, Roman numeral two, it's redeemed by God's good news. The world's bad news is redeemed by God's good news. That's true in Joseph's life. It's true in our lives. It's true in all of creation that the bad news of the brokenness of sin and death, the curse that we're under, is redeemed by God's good news. Look at verse 20 through 23 and you can see how it works in Joseph's life. But when he had considered this, Joseph considering what the right thing to do is, but when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, 
Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child that's been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, and then he quotes Isaiah 7:14. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. The first Christmas started with bad news. We're just hearing it from Joseph's perspective, but Joseph heard the message, Mary's pregnant, you're not the father. It's bad news. But in the midst, in the context, in, in, the, in the middle of that bad news comes this good news, and it comes at night in a dream. Joseph goes to sleep contemplating what's the right thing to do. I just want to do the right thing here, figure out how to put her away secretly. What's the right thing? And in the middle of that seeking, an angel appears to him in a dream. Just remember, he's asleep. It's in a dream. And the angel tells him five things about this child, this newborn. The number one, the child that's conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Well, that's, you know, that just blows your mind, right? That is unbelievable. Of course, the assumption is what it always is. It's got to be that this child is somebody else's child. But the angel says, first off, this child is God's child. This child is conceived by the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine it's a dream, right? It's Joseph at night. It's an angel appearing to him. But all of a sudden, what looked like the greatest infidelity he's experienced in life now is actually God's greatest fidelity, that God is being faithful. What looked like unfaithfulness of Mary, his betrothed wife, is actually a sign of God's greatest faithfulness to him and to the world, that God is entering into this world. He says, the angel says to him, you're going to call this, name, this child's name Jesus, which first of all is saying that he's going to be the dad, right? The dad gets to name the son. This is a patriarchal culture. He says, you're going to call, his, not his name's going to be called Jesus, you're going to name him Jesus. Jesus means Savior. You're going to call him the Savior because he's going to save his people from their sins. And the fourth thing he tells us is that all of this was part of God's plan from the beginning. What looks like the randomness of the world's bad news oftentimes is not that. It's how God is orchestrating, working through the brokenness of this world to lead us to his redemptive plan. And he says, this has been part of God's plan since the beginning. 600, 600 years ago, the prophet Isaiah said this, that they will call his name Emmanuel, this child, God with us. What looked like the world's worst news in this dream, in this interaction with this angel, Joseph hears the world's best good news. God is coming down to meet with us, to redeem us, to restore us, to give us a new life. <laughs> what, what looked like, again, when he found out that Mary was pregnant, that dashed his hopes, his dreams for life. He had hopes, dreams, a field, a house. He was planning this life. 
All that was destroyed. But now God said, no, I got a better plan. You're, you're gonna, this child's going to be the Savior. This child's going to be God with us. That's the world's good news, redeeming God's bad news. Well, what does it look like when you experience God's good news? Well, when, when you hear the world's bad news and you're going through your life and, and, and you hear you didn't get the job, you didn't get into the college you were hoping to get into, no, she doesn't love you anymore, no, the, the diagnosis wasn't what it, you were hoping for. When we, when we hear the world's bad news, how do we hear God's good news in the middle of that? Do, do we have the ears to hear? Do you, do, do you have that heart? Do you have that openness to say, God, what are you doing in the middle of this? How can you redeem this? What good can come of this? Because the truth is, is that God's redemption is redeeming us from something, right? God's redemption doesn't mean anything if there's not some bad news. God's saving, a Savior doesn't save us from anything if there's not some bad news. And so in the midst of the bad news, we got to look to God's good news. Now, some of you may be thinking, yeah, Pastor Todd, but you don't know about my situation, right? My situation is not that kind of situation. It's not that, not, not that kind of thing that God just shows up in. My situation isn't like that. Well, I want you to hear that God loves you regardless of your situation. That God has a plan for your life regardless of what you've done or what the world's done for you. That God is a redemptive God, that Christ came to save sinners, that Jesus is coming even now. And the message of Christmas is that Jesus doesn't come. See, this is the thing. He doesn't come to the righteous. He doesn't, he's not born in the palace. He doesn't, he doesn't, he's not born to the high priest. He comes into the brokenness of our situation and he offers redemption. Oh, you, you, you might say, that's okay, Pastor. I, I, I'll work this out, you know. Like Joseph, I'll, I'll figure this out, right? Joseph, before the dream. I got this. I'll figure it out. I'll do the righteous thing. Pastor, I can, I'll, I'll, I, I'll do it. I'll figure it out. God's not asking us to figure it out. God's asking us to trust him, to receive him, to receive his gift. Some of you may be thinking, well, I don't have time for all this. I don't have room for this. Like, like Bethlehem said, we got no space for this Jesus. The thing about Jesus is, is Jesus is going to work his way in regardless. He doesn't need a lot of space, right? He works into whatever opening he can find. He'll enter into a stable. He'll enter into whatever you give him in your life. And some of you may be thinking, what could God do with my life? But again, God didn't send Jesus into the righteous priest's life. He didn't send Jesus with some army to do his work. He sent Jesus into the life of a peasant girl and a carpenter 100 miles from home who are soon to be refugees. God has a specialty of redeeming lives. Well, let me move on to Roman number three. God, the world's bad news is redeemed by God's good news. But the most important thing, and we've got to get to this, is when it becomes our good news. When we make God's good news our good news, that's when our life changes. Look at verse 24 and 25. Now Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary, his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son 
and he called his name Jesus. You hear that? Joseph, we're reminded, awoke, right? He awoke from his sleep. When he wakes up that next morning, Joseph has a decision to make, right? He went to bed thinking, I'm going to figure this thing out. I'm going to do the righteous thing. I, my life, my plans are ruined, but I, I'm, I'm going to do the best I can to fix this. In his sleep, he encountered this angel that said, no, this is from the Holy Spirit. This is God's Savior. This is God with us. I want you to be his father. I want you to name him Jesus. And Joseph woke up and he had a decision to make, right? He, he could go with his plan. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to figure out how to put her away secretly. Or he could go with the angel's plan, with God's plan. And that's true of each one of us when we hear the good news. When we hear Christ's good news, we can stick with our plan. I can do this on my own. I don't need his good news. I can figure this bad news out. I've got this. Or we can say, God, I'm receiving your news. That's what Joseph did. Joseph woke up from his dream, it says, and he took Mary as his wife. And he kept her a virgin until she gave birth. And he called his name Jesus. You and I, we have a choice. We can choose to live by the world's curse or we can choose to live by God's promise. We, we can choose to live by the law or we can choose to live by the Spirit, right? We can choose to live by the world's bad news or we can choose to live by Christ's good news. Every day we have that choice. Every day we wake up and we decide, I'm going to do this my way. For some of us, my way is like negative. It's like my addiction, my abuse, my sin. But for some of us, my way seems righteous, like Joseph. I'm going to do this the way that I think I'm supposed to do it, the right way. God's not calling us to do that. God's calling us to do it His way, to believe in His Savior, to receive His grace, to walk in his truth. And every day we have that decision to make. Am I going to allow God's good news to be my good news? Or am I going to live in the world's bad news on my own? Am I going to be like Joseph, working it out with the world? I can fix this. I can do this. Or am I going to receive his good news and make it my good news? In the midst of the world's bad news, here's the main point. Believe in God's good news. Listen for God's good news. Look for God's good news. Because God's good news, this is what Christmas is all about, is that God's good news enters into the world's bad news. When, when things are not the way they're supposed to be, which that so often is in the world. When, when your marriage is not the way it's supposed to be, when your kids are not the way they're supposed to be, when your job is not the way it's supposed to be, when you look deeply into your heart and you go, that's not the way it's supposed to be. That's the bad news. But in the midst of the bad news, look for God's good news. The answer isn't, I can do this. I can fix it. I'll figure out a way to do this right. The answer is, God's already figured out a way. He's coming in, right? He's bringing himself, a Savior, God with us. And God's good news becomes our good news when we say, yes, forgive me, restore me, heal me, make me yours. I'm sure you've heard the bad news. Most of us are probably even now are thinking about some bad news, some personal bad news that we have. But the world's bad news is everywhere. 
You pick up the newspaper, you look at your news feed, you turn on the television and watch the news. It's, it's all day long, right? The government's a mess, the economy's in trouble, the interest rates are rising, racism seems like it's worse than ever, extremism is growing, we're living the Mrs. Opioid crisis, 120,000 people a year are dying from opioid overdose, gun violence is on the rise, violent crime is rising, life expectancies for the first time in my lifetime for Americans are dropping. Standardized test scores are down. I mean, it just goes, it goes on and on. You, can just, you just open up the Washington Post and just every column is going to be like this. It's just all bad news. Part of that, obviously, is just because the media wants you to read that article, wants you to click on that, wants you to stay on it. So that they're not going to tell you everything's fine, you know. Test scores are just average, you know. That, that, that's not news. So part of it is just the nature of media. But part of it is just the nature of the world. The world is broken. We're broken. All of our leaders are broken. We, we all have a relationship with sin and we all have two relationships with sin. All of us are perpetrators of sin and we've hurt other people and we're under judgment because of that. And all of us are victims of sin. All of us have experienced some level of abuse and we need healing and restoration from that. And the world itself is broken. But the good news of the gospel is that God has entered into this good news, into this world, into the bad news of this world, to offer himself, to offer us redemption. Now, some of you guys have probably, I imagine most of us have heard the good news. Um, many of us, it's been a while since we've heard the good news. And, uh, and there may be some here that have never really heard the good news. And I just want to share with you little slivers from Scripture of the good news. I just want you to hear this. If it's helpful, you can close your eyes just contemplate, but just, I just want you to hear this. You are citizens of an eternal kingdom. You have a righteous king who loves you. You have a savior who will never leave you or forsake you. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You have a father in heaven who's crazy about you. You're the bride of Christ, holy and blameless in his eyes. You are loved. You are one with Christ. In Christ, there is no Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, but we're all one in Christ. Jesus is your great physician. He holds the keys of hell and death. You can take all of your anxiety to him. You have no need to be anxious about anything, but in everything, through prayer and supplication, you can offer your request to God. You can cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. Your eternity is secure in him. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Nothing is impossible with God. That, that's what the good news says about you. God has sent Christ to redeem whatever that bad news is that you're in the middle of. What does that look like? That looks like daily waking up and saying, God, I want to do it your way. God, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not going to listen to the, live by the world's bad news. I'm going to listen and live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I'm going to daily live by the spirit and not by the law. I'm going to live out this dream, this vision that God has for my life. Each of us, we can live by the world's bad news or we can live by the gospel good news. And, 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 and th this is the secret right here, is that we believe and we look for, we listen to God's good news. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you 
that in the midst of our bad news, in the midst of what we've done or what's been done to us in this world, in the midst of our brokenness and hurt, in the midst of our disease and death and loss, in the midst of our disappointment, you broke into this world. You came and became part of this world. You took on human flesh. You suffered our death. You took our sin. You were tempted as we are in every way but without sin. You gave yourself for us. And in giving yourself for us, you gave us your life and hope and redemption and salvation and eternity and abundance. And so right now, Lord, I just want us to say, Lord, I receive it. Lord, I want your grace in my life. I want your new life in my life. I want your redemption in my life. I don't want to try to do it by my own righteousness. I want to try to do it, Lord, by what you've done. I want to be seated at the right hand of the Father with you. I want to have this new life that you offer us. And so come, Lord, and fill us with your presence. Empower us to awake from our broken lives into this new life and to be able to live each day in this good news gospel life that you offer us. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus. Thank you for the unexpected joy that you entered in this world for us and you call us your own. In Jesus' name, amen.